Well, good morning, Journey. You know, it's been a few years ago that we gave our whole family for Christmas one year the, the 23andMe DNA test uh, for Christmas presents. It was kind of fun. We, we gave a set to my parents. Uh, Dory and I took it. Uh, we gave them to our kids just to make sure they were ours. Um, but, but it really kind of confirmed uh, what I already knew from the uh, history work that my, my dad did. Kinda, he did a bunch of ancestry work and just confirmed that my background's 100% Norwegian. Now, Dory, she's more of a, a hybrid model, you could say. Uh, she's half German and then half the rest is kind of a mix of a bunch of different European races. You know, and our son, Josh, he really got into this and just celebrated the fact that, that he's got this chunk of Norwegian and a chunk of German, and, and he's just celebrating that, and he decided to, to learn Norwegian just for the fun of it, you know, but uh, he's actually enjoying that. And, and the, the results of these tests, if you've ever done it, they actually give you a, a map as well of, of where your family comes from um, in the region. So for me, it showed that my family originated from southern Norway. So every time they said Ufta, it came out with a southern accent. Oh, come on, that was funny. <laughs> Man, I waited all week to say that. <laughs> you know, our, our DNA kind of really does define who we are. Those, those double helix strands determine uh, not just our looks, but our characteristics, even our health and our disposition towards certain diseases and cancer, those DNA components really are the building blocks of our lives. Well, today we begin a new sermon series simply entitled, Called, Disciples Who Make Disciples. So over the next six weeks, we're going to look at six practices that really uh, define a disciple-making church. So we're going to discover some DNA strands that weave through a church that, that has in its characteristics this heart of making disciples. So if we were to take a church version of 23andMe, these things would, would rise to the top. They would be on our church map of what's important to us. But we can also kind of think of them as guardrails. Guardrails that keep us on the road of making disciples. And as we pursue disciple-making this year in 2022, we don't want to get pulled off course. We don't want to get distracted or lose sight of our ultimate target. So we have these guardrails in place that we want to focus on and start our year out by just identifying what they are, and then we'll, we'll keep coming back to them throughout the year. But our first guardrail that we're going to look at is found in John chapter 15. So if you brought your Bible with you today or have your app, open up to John 15. And, and this is a chapter of Scripture where Jesus gives this lesson on horticulture. He talks a lot about fruit and vines and branches. So we're going to pick up in verse 1 of John 15 and read the first 11 verses. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. 
No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can it bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now, there's two things that stood out to me this week as I read that passage and studied it. One, there's a lot of fruit talk. But two is the word remain or abide in different translations. That word remain is used 11 times in 11 verses. So our first guardrail then, that first piece of DNA, is simply that one word to remain. Now, as we look closer at the text this morning, we're going to see that it's all about relationship and reproduction. It's about staying connected and bearing fruit. Well, let's start by talking about this principle of relationship, because throughout those 11 verses, we see it's about vines and branches. Well, right away, we find out that the vine is Jesus Christ. And I, as, as I read it, I thought, well, wh- why a vine illustration? I mean, uh, elsewhere in Scripture, he talks about being wheat. He talks about fig trees. He brings in other agricultural illustrations. But here, he, br- he brings in this idea, this concept of a vine. Well, Jesus, as always, as the master teacher, he's very intentional in why he chose, ch- chose it. See, the nation of Israel was always thought of in terms of a vine. It was kind of their, their national symbol was a vine. You know, it's their version of the stars and stripes. We, we have a flag, they have a vine. It was on their coins, it was, you know, carved into the side of the temple. So when Jesus began this conversation by saying, I am the true vine, all conversation would have stopped. I mean, that was kind of a a Jesus mic drop moment because it was powerful and bold because the force of his words were saying, you all know how Israel is depicted and pictured as a vine, a vine that is meant to bear refreshing fruit. And he says, because you haven't done that, I am the fulfillment of all that symbol suggests and represents. In the past, it was about Israel being the vine, but it was a shadow of things to come. And now Jesus says, I'm here, I'm on the scene, that vine is me, and I'm going to produce true fruit through the branches. Well, elsewhere in the Old Testament, there's the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah kind of gives us a clear picture of what the vine was supposed to do and why Jesus uses this illustration now to say he's the true vine. 
In Isaiah chapter 5, it tells a story of a vineyard that's planted with love and care, tended with care, yet instead of uh, producing good grapes, the vineyard only grows bad fruit. So verse 1 of Isaiah 5 says this, I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. And then just a few verses later in verse 7, that vineyard is clearly identified as Israel. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but he saw bloodshed. For righteousness, but he heard cries of distress. So Jesus is on the scene, and he's saying, I'm the true vine that God intended all along because I am bearing fruit. That's why he says the true vine. Contrasted with Israel, that was fruitless, that should have been bearing fruit. So it's called this, I'm calling it this principle of relationship, because where there's a vine, there's branches. And that leads to us, this picture of the branch. And, and guess what? Branches, no matter who you are, where you're at, branches go through seasons of pruning as much as we might protest. Because Jesus, right at the beginning of that text, says that God is the master gardener and he's all about doing the pruning. And, and, and we, we love the idea of producing fruit and sometimes we want to skip over this idea of pruning because we think that's not what I signed up for when I said yes to Jesus. Well, if, you know, so, so often we want to go through our faith, go through our Christian life, and, and just want the blessings, but without the cutting that's involved in pruning. We want the, the celebrating without the cultivating. We, we want the produce without the process, or we want the plums without the pruning. We can't have one without the other. Because this text tells us that if we are connected to the vine, God can then do the work necessary to bring about fruit in our lives. So that means from time to time, God's going to cut away some things. He's going to prune us. He's going to trim us and chop away. You know, there's times where there's just some dead wood that needs to be removed that can, if not, can create future problems. Sometimes God has to cut away living parts and thin it a little bit so that the quality of the fruit isn't jeopardized. And sometimes God has to remove whole bunches of fruit so that the rest of the crop can have higher quality. He's, sometimes he needs to remove the good so that greatness can come into play. We had a home in Wisconsin where when we moved in, there was this bush at the corner of our house. It's called a fire bush, and it was kind of ugly. But, you know, I, I let it go that first summer. And then that next summer, I thought, okay, I'm just going to trim this thing back, see if it's, you know, going to get better. It was kind of taken over the corner of the house, and I cut it way, way back, and it went from being ugly to being even more ugly. I mean, it was just kind of like, looked like a skeleton. 
But la later that, that summer, that firebush came back with a gusto. It thickened out and its leaves turned red, and I thought, man, that's a beautiful bush. So every summer after that, I would trim it back a little bit, and it got thicker and thicker and thicker. And if I hadn't done that in initial trimming of chopping, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm talking like 18, two feet, I mean, I cut a lot back, it would not have become the beautiful bush that it did. So think about your life for a moment. What pruning needs to be done in your life? What are those things that you might be hanging on to that God needs to do a little snipping and cutting? What needs to be cut away completely and just done, done away with? You know, what needs just to be snipped? What, what, what needs to be cut back in your life? And, and the hardest part, I think, sometimes is that sometimes God is going to cut the stuff that we think is good, the stuff that we think is okay, that's not a problem. And he has to do that in order to bring about that greatness in us. Well, the key that Jesus points out in this text, that key to bearing fruit is this idea of relationship. And he uses that word remain or the word abide. And that's, that's not an emotion that he's talking about. It's a fixed reality. It means, it means to rest. It means to relax. It means to, it means to stay put in, in every sense of the word. So if you, do you want to bear fruit in your Christian life? Well, stay put. Stay put in two different ways. One, stay in the Word. Make it your habit to have Bible reading a part of your life. Be a woman of the Word. Be a man of the Word. And, and make it your habit to spend time every day in Scripture. You know, this is the perfect time of year to start a new Bible reading plan and set, set up some goals to bring you through all of Scripture in 2022. You, you can use uh, Bible apps like Version. If you want to print paper version, I'll give you a copy. I have a bunch in my office. And, but just make it a habit to systematically work through Scripture in 2022. Why is that so important? Well, the pruning shears that God uses is His Word. Look again at verse 2. He says, every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Well, the words prune and clean, that's the, that's the same word in the original language. So pruning is done by the word of God in our lives. Hebrews 4.12 talks about how powerful the word of God is to do that very thing. Because there it says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I mean, the sharpest pruning shears around is the word of God in your life. So when we are in the word, then the word can work in us. So make it your habit this year to be in the Word on a regular, consistent, and hopefully daily basis. So stay in the Word. The second place to stay put is in community. And by that I mean in the local church body. Stay active, stay involved, stay present. Stay so that pruning can be done. 
you know, growth takes place uh, in the midst of crisis. If you ever want to grow in your spiritual life, you need to work through some difficult times. So it takes place when there's tension and when, when, and when there's encouragement in the midst of it. I mean, think about trees for a minute. Trees grow st- strong, tall, and wider because the wind blows against them. But if every time you encounter tension in the church or if every time you encounter conflict, if we just pick up and leave, then growth will not take place. It's not healthy for us spiritually in our personal lives and because we don't, re- we don't learn how to resolve those problems and work through them. In North Omaha, which is the worst part of Omaha as far as drugs and gangs and violence, there is a ministry called Abide, Abide Ministry. And this is a ministry that began about 30 years ago when Ron Dotzler and his wife intentionally moved into the worst part of Omaha to be a light for Jesus Christ. They, they, they literally put a map up on the wall and got all the police reports and kind of plotted out where the most police calls were, where most of the shootings were, where most of the arrests were, and that's the neighborhood that they moved into. And, and I love their focus of ministry. And instead of leaving the bad part of town and going out to the suburbs, they intentionally wanted to abide and remain and stay put in the place that needed the light of Jesus the most. And their ministry has been producing fruit as a result for 30 plus years because they intentionally um, plant these lighthouses, they call them, where they identify these neighborhoods and then they, then they have families or couples move into them, kind of remodel and refurbish their house and these homes then are lighthouses in the neighborhoods are all around North Omaha and lives and entire neighborhoods are being changed as a result. So this idea of, of relationships and remaining really leads us to the second, second principle that we've been uh, talking about, and that's reproduction, or just producing fruit. I mean, ultimately, John 15, it, it's, about, it's about our lives producing fruit for Jesus. See, the life of the vine, Jesus, is supplied to the branches, which is us, and that reproduces itself in the form of spiritual fruit, and ministry, and gospel impact. And we as branches, we are not designed or created to produce fruit on our own because it says that apart from our vine, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. So in other words, we are totally dependent on our vine of Jesus for fruit. So our focus then becomes staying put in Jesus, doesn't it? to live our lives in total dependency of him, to, to yield our life to the Holy Spirit and, and his work in our hearts and transforming us from the inside out. Because just trying and, and working hard and just making effort, that's not going to do it. But trusting in God, that God has the best for you, that's what produces fruit for us. So in order to reach fruit, reach that place of producing fruit and reach maturity, We need to continue to draw our resources, our nourishment, our energy from Jesus. Because this idea of of reproduction is really a declaration of dependence. 
It's saying yes to Jesus. It's saying, I'm going to stay connected to you, and I'm going to be, uh, surrender my life to you in such a way that, God, you, you have permission to cut off from my life anything that needs to be cut off so that I can produce fruit for the gospel. Yet, you know, time to time, we're tempted to slip into um, efforts and production and performance, but Jesus says, no, just remain in me. Abide in me and let me do the hard stuff. So how, how do we know we're producing fruit? What does it look like to produce fruit in our lives? Well, looking just from this text alone, we can see some things that stand out. Reading again from John 15, starting at verse 7, look at how Jesus identifies some of the results. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So what does Jesus say is the fruit? Well, one is an empowered prayer life. Another is that the Father is glorified, God is glorified in our life. Another fruit is that love is going to fill our lives, love for God, love for others. Another one is just that the joy of Jesus is going to be inside of us. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Sounds like some good fruit that I'd, I'd like to be running after. Well, there's some characteristics of this fruit that we want to keep in mind. One, when it comes to this fruit, don't think of, in, don't think of it in terms of results. You know, results are mechanical. Machines produce results. This is about relationships. A fruit that's drawn from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Disciple-making, then, is about relationships. It's not about checking off boxes. It's, it's not about just getting, getting things done for the sake of getting things done. It's about our lives being surrendered to Jesus, and it's about staying connected to him. And that leads to another characteristic of this fruit, in, in that it's, since it's about people, it's slow growth. It's not instant growth. It's not something that, that we teach a class, that we do one thing, and boom, you know, we have a bunch of disciples of Jesus running around. No, it's, it's slow. People's lives are messy, so this kind of ministry is messy. But the, the growth is exponential over time. Third characteristic of it is that this fruit is for others. It's designed and created to serve other people. You know, we, we, we feed others with our fruit. We don't create fruit and then eat it ourselves. It's outward focused. It's other people-centric. It's ministry-centric. And fourthly, a characteristic about this fruit is that spiritual fruit has in its seeds more fruit. And this is really where disciple-making is evident. Because disciple-making never stops with ourselves. Just like fruit is designed, it, it is designed to go on and plant and grow other fruit. So for us, that means we strive to make disciples who go on to make other disciples. 
So that means we're, we're constantly thinking about who can I invest my life in? Who can I connect with to show Jesus to? Who can I pour my life into so that then they can grow and they can pour their life into somebody else? Because where there is fruit, there is life. I'm going to ask the praise team to, to come back forward this morning. And Journey, this is a year where we're going to be cultivating disciple-making amongst our fruit, amongst our church. We're going to cultivate our own life in Christ so that we can then plant the seeds in other people. And, you know, I, I like fruit. I mean, I, I, I eat an, about an apple about every day. I love bananas and apples and fruits. They're, they're kind of, apples and bananas, they're kind of the basic fruit that we always have around. You know, but there's a lot of different varieties of fruit. And you as a fruit are going to look a lot different than, than my fruit. There's some interesting fruits out there, right? Take pomegranates, for example. I can barely pronounce it, definitely can't spell it, and I have no idea how to eat it, you know. But, but it's necessary. I mean, they're good for you, and some of you are more like that, and, and, you know, I'm more like an apple or a banana, pretty basic, you know, but we need all kinds. But there's no mystery to the fruit that Jesus is talking about in John 15, because the fruit that Christ looks for in us is his own life in you. His life in us. Christ within. So what does that mean? It means to produce fruit, you first have to be fruit. Or to put it another way, uh, to make disciples, you first have to be a disciple of Jesus. So that's our first guardrail for, for uh, running down this disciple-making road. That's the key DNA piece that we're looking at to keep journey on, on this path of making disciples in 2022 let's pray together father i want to thank you that uh, you took this time in john chapter 15 to show us and remind us what it looks like to uh, be fruit and to make fruit to be a disciple and to make disciples so father help each person here to surrender our lives to you so that you can do the work in us for your glory and for your purpose and we pray this in your name.